This is KC Sports Network, proudly presented by M-Prize Bank. We're barely eligible here with you on always draft season, the, the, the channel for, you know, everything you need for, for draft season. As we have, you got you got you fixed up here for the college football season. I'm hanging out with Matt Lane. As we do this every Friday at noon, we go live. If you're not subscribed, if you're listening to this on the podcast after the fact, appreciate you listening, by the way. But you can join us live every uh, every Friday at noon as we preview the college football slate, give you six games you got to be watching for in the college football slate this week. But, Maddie, how you doing, man? Listen, I'm doing, I'm doing pretty good. Um, Last week of college football was very enjoyable. A lot of great games. It was a lot of fun to watch. It was rough for me personally. A lot of my rooting interests lost. I, I People may or may not know. I don't root for any particular team per se. But there will be teams going into the week or the games that I'm kind of pulling for. Wasn't a great week for uh, for Maddie's heart when it comes to college football. The only thing that I was able to hang my hat on were my Washington schools, both Washington State and Washington, both sure. looking good. Those are two teams that I'm a little invested in. But uh, besides that, it was a lot of losses for the teams I was pulling for. But, you know, it's a new week. It's a new day. I- I'm ready for this weekend talk. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm ready for this weekend. Not yeah. as good as last, though. It's a pretty good weekend, and as we're recording this on Friday, some really good Friday games going on. Uh, Maddie and I were talking about that uh, on this morning. Of just like the slate of Friday games is wildly impressive. Banger! I'm glad you said that. My one big thing this week is, hey, we're not going to tell you guys what Friday games to watch, but you should be watching college football tonight because <laughs> there's there's great games. I, the one I got my eye on the most, uh, Louisville at North Carolina State, right? Yeah. Because I haven't got to really tune into Louisville yet. They have, they're undefeated. They're playing well. You know, my thoughts on North Carolina State are out there. I think they're frauds, but it's still going to be Louisville's toughest competition and Louisville's flying right now. So like, this isn't a full breakdown by any stretch, but Jack Plummer transfers into Louisville. Brian Brahms, Jeff Brom is there. He's coaching them well. And they also got Jamari Thrash, a transfer wide receiver that came in, I believe, from one of the Florida schools. I forget exactly which one where he came from. He's been killing it for them right now. Oh, he came from Georgia State, not a Florida school. Uh, mm. Florida Georgia line, though. Close. Jamari Thrash catching the ball from Jack Plummer against North Carolina State's defensive backs. You got Aiden White and you got Shaheen Battle. That's probably the best secondary they're going to go up against all year. Yeah. That's a matchup to keep your eye on tonight. Wh- which one of these Friday games has your attention the most, Tuck? I think it's super easy to say, like, the ranked matchup, obviously. With, yeah. uh, when you talk about Oregon State and uh, and Utah. Utah coming off a game where, you know, last week, Maddie, we picked UCLA to kind of to cover and essentially win that game because they were favored in that game. Uh, and it's a game, Rice-Eccles Stadium, that shows that you you go there, you it, you got to be ready to play the Utes. Got to be You're ready to play their brand of football. 7-14 to 14 is not a score you see very often in the Pac-12, let alone college football, that it's outside of the Big Ten, I should say. Uh, a real college football uh, that you see outside of. But a game where I was impressed by Utah. Now, I think on last week's show, we were under the impression that Cam Rising was coming back, but that did not end up happening. Um, so, like you can, with, with colleges and, and like their injury reports, it's so iffy. But we didn't see that line movement in favor of Utah as much as probably we would have seen something if Cam Rising would have came back. I believe, I believe uh, UCLA was favored by five and a half or something like that going on the road, uh, and we, we're taking the home dogs there uh, with with uh, Utah. But um, I, I think when you talk about Utah, they face a, another interesting, tough challenge in in, in Oregon State. DJU's got that that got that team going. 
Now, uh, against Washington State last week, they didn't necessarily have the best performance, but I think that might maybe say more about Washington State than it did about Oregon State, Maddie. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, I mean, I think so. Washington State jumped on Oregon State early. Cam Ward was playing phenomenal. Those wide receivers, Josh Kelly was making, I mean, just highlight play after highlight play. So, like, I think that was more about Washington State. Uh, Utah, that offense still looks terrible, right? They, they won a low-scoring game and then involved a defensive touchdown. And so, like, I just... I don't know if I trust Utah's offense yet. I don't believe Cam Rising is going to be back. They have a bye next week. And so I imagine they're probably just going to hold him out through that bye and then have him for the meat of the Pac-12 schedule. So now they're going on the road to Corvallis to play Oregon State. That's you know that's going to be a tough battle. I don't know if Oregon State is a team like UCLA that they can just go in there and bully. They kind of bullied UCLA a little bit. Oregon State, I don't think is quite as like talented offensively as UCLA is, but they're bigger. They're stronger. They have good, a good offensive line. I don't think Jonah Ellis is going to live in the backfield of Oregon State the entire game. It's like, I, I would put Utah on major upset alert coming in here, but I also picked against them last week to lose Hawaii. So maybe I'm just, maybe like everybody else, I'm just here underrating the Utes. I don't think you can underrate the Utes anymore. I, I'm on I'm on the record of being a big Utes guy. Um, yeah. I'm a big Utes guy, but... They're, uh, they're Iowa in the mountains, though. Like, how can I be a big fan? <laughs> How can I be a big fan of Mountain Iowa? Like I just can't do it. They're Iowa in the mountains. That's a that's a good way to put it, truthfully. Um, and they do play just a very contrasting style of football compared to all the other teams in their their conference. And it works. Like that's the thing that's so crazy. Like it works. They've won what is back to back Pac twelve titles, right? Like they've won yes uh, the Pac twelve two years in a row by playing this brand of football. Um, that does help when you have athletes that can do it and everything like that. But guys that uh, can execute that brand of football uh, are very key as well. But Maddie, anything before we move on to uh, this week? I guess we're still talk- technically talking about this week of, of yeah. football. But before we move on to the Saturday slate, we didn't have any additions to the uh, to the dog rating, did we? I don't think we had any, no. any new additions. We did it. Um, I, I want to say uh, Bucky Irvin, running back for Oregon, the little running back that was trucking every Colorado defender and letting them yeah. go. He's he's on the list of watching. Guys I'm watching going forward, can he do that to non-Colorado defenders, right? right. Oh, he's a watchdog. He's a watchdog. <laughs> can he do that to non-Colorado defenders? He might be the first running back. I don't believe we have a running back on there yet. He might be the first running back to make the list. He's just he's just on, you know, on the radar. On the radar after that performance against Colorado last week. Absolutely. Um, some really impressive stuff from Oregon against Colorado. And uh, I think that I do think it says more about Oregon than does Colorado, but we can get into that a little bit later because we do. The first game we're going to talk about is the Colorado Buffaloes. Does, it seems like every our game buffs. that they have, our buffs, Maddie's rocking the home field apparel. Hey, listen, if you want a little bit of that home field apparel action, go go over to homefieldapparel.com. They got all kinds of schools, 150 plus, and they keep adding more uh, Idaho. Idaho State, ever heard of them? The Kibby Dome? Want to get some sick Kibby Dome merch? Go to homefieldapparel.com. You can use the code KCSN23, by the way. Get 15% off your first order. We'll help you out there. Help us, help you, and you can get 15% off that first order. I got some stuff, man. It's in the mail. I, I keep checking I keep checking my uh, the uh, the shipping, the the tracking, yeah. every single day to see, okay, where's it at now? Where's it at now? Where's it at now? And it just keeps creeping slower and slower. Y'all love home field so much. It took it took like two and a half, three weeks for me to get my order. Like, yeah. it took a minute because y'all are all over home field right now and they appreciate it. We appreciate it, you know, and everything like that. But get in there. Get, you got to get that orders in because it's, it's some of the best stuff. It really is. Any school you want. And it's not just like, hey, 
here's a school logo on a t-shirt, right? Like, that's cool. That's right. fine to have one shirt like that. But how many shirts do you need with just a school logo on it? You know what I mean? Yeah. Maddie, show your shirt. This is going to be only, oh, yeah, this isn't going to be good for this like audio people. But like, look at that look buff that. shirt. Look at this buff shirt. Oh, it's so sick. phenomenal. It's it's such a great shirt. Um, and you can get any great shirt that you want at homefieldapparel.com. As I mentioned, over 150 plus schools. The vintage designs. That's what I really like. The kids are loving the vintage designs. That's what's in right now. And Home Field Apparel makes vintage designs fresh with all these new shirts. Uh, they got a great feeling shirts, Maddie. Like they're great and comfortable. Um, I'm very excited. Uh, I've got a hoodie on the way. This will be my first home field hoodie, and I've heard great things about their hoodies. Um, so I've got a I've got a hoodie on the way, and I'm very excited for it. Oh, I bet I need to, I need to get in there. I keep searching, trying to wait for some crew neck sweaters to come through. Big crew neck sweater guy. So I've been trying to wait. Oh, you yes. heard good things about sweaters too. So like I I need to. I need to get back in there. I need to make another. I just got this one. It's time to make another order already. You'll be just as addicted as we are uh, once once you get that first order. Absolutely. And as Batty mentioned, it does take that. They're a little backlogged on some stuff because people have been loving the home field apparel stuff. So you got to be patient, but it'll be good. It, anything good is worth waiting, Maddie. Um, but this game should be a good one right off the jump. Don't really have to wait much, wait long for this one as at 11 a.m. kickoff central time at noon if you're on the East Coast. Number eight USC travels to Boulder, Colorado to take on the Colorado Buffaloes, who dropped out of the AP Top 25 ranking after losing to Oregon. Maybe a bit unfair to drop them from 19 all the way out, but that performance was not was that great showing. Was bad. Yes. Maddie, this game will be on Fox. First impressions from this game. Listen, we've talked a lot about Colorado like everybody else has. I don't want to bore everybody with all the Colorado stuff. Again, we're still riding with the Buffs. We still like them. We like yeah, what they got I'm... going on. I think last week was a bit of a wake-up call, though, that there is still quite a talent gap. I mean, there is a significant talent gap, and I think that was not any more evident than Deion Sanders with a game, I think it was 21 nothing. decides to punt when past midfield on a fourth and medium to Oregon. You yeah. knew right then and there that he knew they had no shot to even make it a close game, so he wasn't even going to try. He just didn't want to lose by giving up 70 points like his professional team in his city did, right? That's all he was trying not to do. That lets you know there's a talent gap. I don't know how competitive this week's game is going to be. I think USC's a little bit better matchup for Colorado. They're not as physical as Oregon. They shouldn't be able to just bully Oregon around, but... I'm also talking about a team that has Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley and Dorian Singer and Mario Williams. USC is going to put up points. I need our buffs. I need Colorado's offense to show a little bit, some signs of life. I know losing Travis Hunter hurt. Xavier Weaver got hurt on like the last drive of the game because they still had him in there. Hopefully he's able to play. I need our buffs to show some life offensively in this game because it, it's going to be a long season if they get completely you know, ran out of their home field for a second week in a row here after that Oregon game. Yeah, that, that's not going to be great for the old morale. I don't know if you've seen like the celebrity guest list for oh this game. Uh, they got some like Bron, LeBron James, Bronny James, obviously Bronny going to USC. Uh, they'll probably be in support of USC. I think Will Ferrell's going to be there. Yeah, all kinds of all kinds of uh, stars from all walks. They got of Matthew life. McConaughey coming to a non-Texas game, right? And Texas plays this weekend. Uh, <laughs> it's just like Texas on a bye week. Um, what I think is really interesting too. You talk about Travis Hunter. There's a lot of going around, a, a lot going on around a Travis Hunter uh, with him doing his YouTube video with uh, with the kid that hit him a little a little cheap shot. 
really cool to see. I, I genuinely, I think uh, Travis Hunter is a, a genuinely good kid, and Dion talks a little bit about that on on Friday. But he was lob- he's lobbying to try to play against USC, and Dion was talking about it in a video and in a text. He said, uh, "I need to play this week. We need to get everything we can so I can get back on the field. I'm not taking no for an answer." Dion replied. No, you ain't ready. I care about you more than I care about this game. You're going to change the game of football one day when you're healthy and ready. Your future is brighter than mine ever will be and ever was. Relax and get healthy. I love you, son. Um, Sheesh. Very high praise from Dion by there, by the way. But it, it, he's always maintained that about Travis Hunter, about Travis Hunter being just like an incredible and like transcendent athlete. And he, oh. I think he's right. He will change the game of football. Uh, but... You love to see that from Travis Hunter wanting to get on the field. This is a huge game, obviously. Like, this is the one when Dion went to Colorado. I think, Maddie, you and I were both like circling like that schedule already of like, okay, that's going to be an interesting game. That's going to be a fun one. Uh, but I mean, you mentioned it. There's still a little bit of a gap there. That offensive line is tough. Like, it's not, it's not great. Watching back some of the stuff from, from, uh, from the Oregon game. They were just getting bullied left and right by Oregon. Yeah. And USC has a 21 and a half point spread. They're favored by 21 and a half points in this game. Um, it's just one of those situations where I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't think Colorado is deep enough to deal with USC, truthfully. Yeah. I mean, I would have very low expectations of Colorado being able to win this game. And if they, and now if they had Travis Hunter healthy and the offense felt like it was still clicking, like it was the first couple weeks, I would feel pretty good about them being able to cover because USC's defense is terrible. Right. They had their hands full with Arizona State, who was playing like you and I were actively out on the field for Arizona State, and USC still really couldn't get stops. So, like, Colorado might, should actually be able to put up some points this week. I just, without Travis Hunter and the fact that teams seem to be getting a little bit of a read on how to attack Colorado's offense, rush three, rush four, everyone else goes into coverage, and Shador is going to hold the ball and not get it out if somebody's not wide open immediately, and then that offensive line can't hold up. It's scary hours for Colorado. They, I don't, they don't even need to be competitive in this game. They just can't be embarrassed again. If they're, As long as they're not embarrassed again, I think everything will be completely fine. If they go out and get blown out by another 40 points again or whatever it was, like that's that'll be a bad look. The one thing they do have going for it, like Oregon's defensive line just absolutely destroyed Colorado's offensive line. And I don't think USC can't do the same, but outside, you know, Bear Alexander, Solomon Bird, they have some guys there that definitely have talent. And I'm sure there's a... F- host of other four and five star athletes along the Trojan Z line, but they don't have guys that are as physical, that are quite as proven as Brandon Dorliss or Jordan Birchware for Oregon. They don't have mm. guys that should literally be able to walk the left tackle into the lap of the quarterback in one second, every single play. So hopefully we get to see Colorado's offense come out and be a little bit better and maybe press, maybe force USC's offense to press a little bit. Caleb is not above making some mistakes, trying to get the highlight plays. You don't think Caleb Williams is out here trying to show out in this game against a terrible defense in Colorado's and to get, you know, really submit himself as QB1? There will be opportunities. They just, that offense has to play a little bit better than it did last week to even put the slightest bit of pressure on USC. I agree, Maddie. Let's go ahead and make a pick on this one. USC minus 21 and a half. Um, Maddie, you and I have had this conversation before. Like, what do you consider a blowout? Like, what is a what is a blowout? Is a three possession? I I think I think for me, it'd be a three possession game. Like, 
if something that's not easily obtainable, three possessions, that's tough. Um, what do you could co- constitute as a blowout? College is different than the NFL. Um, I, I think teams can get blown out in the first quarter of college football, and it might only be a two-score game, just the way things work. But like you can tell pretty quickly if a team is just not talented enough and not playing at the level they're going to need to that day. So I think you know, you, for college football, blowouts can happen a lot earlier. But yeah, I think roughly three scores. But more specifically, it's like it's who has the ball. If a team is getting the ball down three scores, I don't know if that counts. But if you have to give it away at any point in time down three scores, especially in the second half, you're probably you're probably blow, being blown out, right? If you're giving the ball away down three scores, you're you're being blown out. Colorado uh, has failed to cover the spread mm-hmm. in. Um, hang on, I just lost it. Failed to cover the spread in seven of its last eight games against ranked teams at Folsom Field. Not a great stat nugget to lead with, uh, but Maddie, what's your pick in this one? Man, this is hard. Um, I think this line after initially when um, Colorado lost to Oregon, I think it was a little bit higher. I think it was like 24 or something like that, 24, mm-hmm. 24 and a half. And then USC struggled with Arizona State. And like that makes you a little, you know, get a little bit more cautious. We just talked about how USC struggled like, with Arizona State's offense a little bit. I really want to take the buffs here and say they keep it close. The problem is every team wants to show out versus Colorado. That's mm-hmm. that's what it is. Look at this. Look at the list of people coming to watch this game. Everybody wants to go. You're going to get Lincoln Riley's best. You're going to get Caleb's best. I'm going to take USC and lay the points, but I don't think it will ever at any point in time look as bad as it did last week versus Oregon for for our buffs. I think I'm going to take Colorado just because of that defense. I, I know that they'll want to show out, they'll want to play better, but I don't. Think they are very good, and that is yep. that's 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 the hard part for USC. And even in in our, in our preview, in our conference preview uh, of this, when we talked about the Pac-12, that's the big thing about USC. The kind of the big talking point about USC is like they're good, but like they're only going to be as good as their defense allows them to be. Yeah, and I think that basically, I'm not saying Colorado's going to win this game. I just think that they can not lose by more than 21 points. Uh, back to cover, or are they comp- are they semi competitive throughout the whole game? Ooh, I I I think it's going to be a backdoor cover. I okay. um, I think it's a backdoor cover. I do think that like USC will kind of. I think it's going to be a high scoring game. Like I think both of these teams do not have a defense. And well, hold on, I had it right in front of me uh-huh. because I was looking at the over, uh, what the over would be uh, for this game if my computer would load right. Uh, Seventy two and a half is the over under for this game. Um, that's a lot of points. I think I anticipate a lot of points being scored in this game because I think USC is going to have to score a lot of points, obviously, right? But, you know, Matty, you did mention the offense didn't quite look right for uh, for Colorado when it with Travis Hunter not out there. But still got athletes, still got dudes. Dylan Edwards is a, is a guy that I really like. And they got the Weaver kid. They got, uh, was it Joe Horn Jr., Jimmy Horn Jr.? Jimmy Horn Jr. Jimmy Horn Jr., not Joe Horn. Um, so, I mean, they got they got guys out there, but... Yeah, uh, Maddie. Let's let's take a break. We got to take a break, and then once we get back, we will move on to the afternoon games. We'll tell you what we're watching for coming up next. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. Fellas, are you running into some stubble trouble? Are you dreaming of that clean shaven look, but hate going through the hassle of a wet shave every day? I know you are. And that's why we partnered with Manscaped. The brand for Blow the Waste is coming to save that beautiful face. 
Yes, sir, Manscaped now has beard products and is going a step further with the launch of their brand new Handyman Electric Face Shaver. It's designed to give your face that smooth and chiseled finish without the mess of a traditional shave. Make sure to join the 9 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer. Head over to manscaped.com and use code KCSN for 20% off and free shipping. Your face is the first thing people see when you walk through the door. Give them something nice to look at with Manscaped's Handyman. Being able to shave up to three days growth without the mess of traditional shaving is priceless. The Beard Hedger is a high-tech piece of art and a travel-sized package with long-lasting battery, universal charging, and a strong motor. Trust me, gents, you can't go wrong with any of these options. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code KCSN at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code KCSN. Hit the refresh button with the handyman. With the busy fall season already in swing, you might be looking for some wholesome, convenient meals for these jam-packed days. And Factor America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit can help you fuel up fast with chef-prepared, dietitian-approved, ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle. Need an extra boost to support your wellness goals and feel your best as you tackle a busy autumn? Try Protein Plus meals with 30 grams of protein or more per serving. Round out your meal and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of 45-plus add-ons, including breakfast items like our delicious apple cinnamon pancakes, bacon and cheddar egg bites, and potato bacon egg breakfast skillet. Or for an easy wellness boost, try refreshing beverage options like cold-pressed juices, shakes, and smoothies. Head to factormeals.com slash KCSN50 and use code KCSN50 to get 50% off. That's code KCSN50 at factormeals.com slash KCSN50 to get 50% off. It's more fun to be there for live Kansas City Chiefs football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the Kansas City Chiefs and the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. And you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash Chiefs. Welcome back in to Barely Bowl Eligible here on KC Sports Network. We are giving you the games you need to know, the games you need to watch. We are on to the afternoon slate as at uh, 2.30, 3.30 kickoff. Number 24, Kansas, travels to Austin, Texas. This is an ABC game. This game's on ABC, uh, Maddie. That's what the people want. That's, it is what the people want because Texas has a has had a bugaboo. Number three, Texas has had a bugaboo with Kansas in the past. Kansas, much better than in the past. Texas, also much better than in the past. Thoughts on this game? There's a couple things that immediately come to my mind, right? Last week, I, I said that Kansas-BYU might belong as the Sickos game. And I got a little bit of pushback from some people, you know, privately outside the show about that. But guess what? You watch that game? That was a sicko game. That was a sick football game. They belong there. And that's fine. Doesn't mean it wasn't fun. Kansas is good. They're ranked. They deserve to be ranked. They're going to get their real test now. And last year, when we were doing the same song and dance about Kansas being, you know, way better than before, being a real contender, they hosted Texas. And Mm -hmm. Texas put 31 points on them in the first half to lead 31-0. Ended up winning, what, 55 to 14 last year. It was the ultimate, hey, 
well, you know, we're still big brother here. We still own the rest of everything going on. This year, Kansas looks to get a little bit of payback. I know they're a lot healthier this year. I think the defense has a little more talent this year for Kansas, so you're hoping it's a little closer. But man, at the end of the day, Texas still has such a talent gap here. This could be one of those games that Texas just, or not Texas, Kansas just kind of walked into that buzzsaw again. And you gotta, you gotta remember that if you're a Kansas fan, Texas is supposed to beat you by 30 points. It doesn't matter yes. if you're undefeated right now. Texas is supposed to beat you by 30 points. You have to keep that in mind going into this one. I think that's a that's a great point that you bring up about uh, Texas. Texas looked good against Baylor, a team that they were supposed to supposed to beat up, and they kind of beat them up a little bit. I'm really impressed by their running backs and kind of the versatility that their, that their offense has kind of shown. Um, is who's the running back? Oh, Jonathan Brooks. Uh, he had a pretty good game against Baylor. I thought he looked pretty good. Quinn, you were showing some good presence at, at the quarterback position. Obviously, Xavier Worthy seems to be that dude when it comes to wide receivers. Um, so, I mean, you guys know that Texas has got some dudes. They're supposed to be good. They, they This is the year for them that that they're supposed to be back. This is their back year, right? Like, this is the every everyone talking about it coming in is that this is this is the year that they're supposed to kind of put some stuff on it. And Jalen Ford starts talking defense. It's not like an interception, like his last four or five games or something like that. That's Man. insane. Like, yeah. it, as, at the linebacker position, he is, he's got a nose for the football. He's been playing really well. I know our, our pal Derek Johnson, big fan of him. I heard him talking on Texas game day. Uh, I think it's called Texas game day. They have like a game day style show just for Texas though. It was kind of sick mm-hmm. uh, that they do on the Longmore network. And he was on there talking about uh, Jalen Ford. Everything like that. So they got some dudes. Obviously, Kansas's defense, Batty, as you mentioned, something that I wanted to bring up has been better this year. Um, yeah, it's it's been better, but it was it's easy to improve from where they were last year. Yeah, and I mean the biggest difference this year is the defensive line's been a little bit better. Last year, yeah. anybody could push around the defensive line. This, you know, Jeremy Robinson's taken a little bit of another step. He's been really good. Austin Booker has come along pretty well for them, and like I know they have a couple of defensive tackles that haven't been complete pushovers this year. So like Kansas is on the right direction. Texas has one of the most physically dominant offensive lines that come football. They didn't push around Alabama, but they definitely gave Alabama everything they could possibly handle. I don't think Kansas's D line is anywhere close to Alabama. So like, this is just going to be a game where the physicality might be too much. Even when you flip sides of the ball, Byron Murphy, uh, Baron Sorrell, uh, Devondre Sweat. These are defensive linemen that I think Kansas is going to have a really hard time trying to stay in front of. Good thing for Kansas, great offensive coaching staff. And what they do mm-hmm. on offense is phenomenal. They should probably, they're, they're going to get Jalen Daniels on the move. They're going to have him running around, trying to throw back across the field, use a lot of misdirection. I think that's what they're going to have to do to keep in this game. Because if this becomes a relatively traditional football battle, I, Texas, I think, just pushes KU around o- along the trenches for the majority of the game. Yeah, they, I, I think they've they've got they, they've got to be they've got to turn it into a shootout because the offense is where the money is made for for the Jayhawks. As you mentioned, like uh, Colton Nicky is like as a coordinator who is on the the up and up. Um, in terms, he's got to get a he's got to get a job next, like a head coach. Yeah, job. like he's got you got to give him a shot somewhere. And that's, I think there was conversations about him possibly leaving and he was in the conversation for some jobs elsewhere. Like this offseason, I don't think he got like a huge amount of buzz, but what he's been able to do has been been really impressive uh, on the on the offense side of the ball. I think I saw something too. This might have been from uh, Scott Chase at the Kansas City Star here locally. Um, I, I think I saw that Kansas is getting a lot of production from transfer guys on the defensive 
line. So they've really been yes. able to hit that hit that uh, transfer portal really hard and get some production from those guys out there, which has uh, been a, a welcome sight for Kansas because they did really need some help on that defensive side of the ball. And uh, as Ken Swanson likes to tell us a lot, they had a lot of guys return from that from that first year or from that year last year where they had some success for the first time and in some time. A lot of guys returned from that roster, um, an experienced team, but a Texas team that is favored by 16 points at home. I, 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 Maddie, I'll start it off. I, I don't see how Texas doesn't cover. Yeah. Okay. Um, here's, here's, I watched the BYU game and Keenan Slovis made some crazy throws, uh, against Kansas. He was dropping some dimes in there and he was also throwing the game away. I think Cam Ewers, I think, uh, Ewers is a better quarterback than yes. Keenan Slovis. I think, I think Ewers is going to be able to throw the ball down the field. I think Texas has significantly better wide receivers than BYU does. So they should be able to win down the field. Xavier Worthy, AD Mitchell, Jordan Winningham's there. Like, they have so many guys that can catch the ball and do stuff to you. Oh, I didn't even mention their tight end who is vying to be a first-round pick and Jatavion Sanders, who yes. nobody in college football has been able to cover. I don't think Kansas will. Like, I think there's just too much firepower on this Texas offense that KU will not be able to slow them down. And on the flip side, even during the best KU offensive coaching performance, they have to out. They have to win every single play schematically, or it's probably a negative play for them, or at least a neutral play, which isn't good for an offense. So, I'm going to take Texas to cover too because their avenues to win and the talent gap are just are just so superior to what KU has right now. Kansas has failed to cover the spread in uh, its last seven games as an underdog, um, and I was trying to set you up there and kind of help convince me that, hey, you know what, maybe they can cover. You didn't. Um, I got nothing for you, man. I don't. Uh, we're both. It sounds like we're both on the Texas train in terms of that. At a, I think Texas Carol, is good, man. I think Texas yeah, feel good. Like yes. that's the thing. They're number three in the country for a reason. Like I mean, that's not just like a a phony ranking throwing out there. But uh, I mean, they looked good. They're looking good against uh, Baylor, like a Baylor team they should beat. I rewatched that game. It was like one of those things where I was like, wow, okay, uh, like. They look good. Sanders is a guy, you mentioned him. I don't know why it took us so long to start to talk about him, but like a guy that people cannot figure out how to cover. I like it. It's one of the things where Brock Bowers was the tight end mentioned, uh, I mean, a lot, obviously, for, for reasons, for, for, as he should be, because he's very good. Um, but Sanders has put him in a conversation up there with with uh, Brock Bowers in terms of uh, being drafted high. And uh, rightfully so. When we did our Big 12 preview with Matt Miller and he was talking about uh, Texas, he was one of the first guys he brought up. And we talk about that receiver room from Texas. They got a lot of talent on it, everything like that. But he was like, yeah, this Sanders dude is is a guy that, that you guys need to be paying attention for. And he was yeah. So uh, shout out Matt Miller. No, fully agree. I Sanders was like, everyone's tied into coming in. I think he's only been better yeah. than what everybody thought this year. Uh, you know, not a, not a great blocker or anything like that, but they're going to use them in space. Like, yeah, Sanders is great. I think Worthy's great. A.D. Mitchell's great. It's just, again, too much firepower. There's too, too much, much firepower on this offense, and if you can't get pressure on them consistently, which I don't know if Kansas's D-line will be able to do, I think Texas will have no issues moving the ball, and then it just becomes how much can KU out-coach Texas's defense. Mm-hmm. That's hard to do for 60 minutes because it's yeah. not like Texas has a, a poorly coached defense anymore, so... Let's move on to the night slate game. 6.30 Central kickoff time, 7.30 Eastern. Number 11, Notre Dame travels to Durham, North Carolina to take on the Duke 
Blue Devils. Uh, that game obviously is going to be on NBC because it's Notre Dame and they have exclusivity. It seems like with Notre with the uh, NBC. I don't know if that's going to be a thing anymore with all the TV contracts going around, but um, would be surprised if it wasn't. Maddie, uh, first thoughts on Notre Dame number eleven, Notre Dame versus number seventeen, Duke. Is there odds on if uh, Notre Dame has a play with ten men on the field? Uh, and I'm sure it would be minus 2,000 if there were because they seem to run that every single week. I also I, I also have a little bit of news, I think. I think Notre Dame-Duke is also on ABC. I don't know if it's showing on NBC too, but I think it's also an ABC game according to uh, oh. the TV listing here because I think maybe because it's in Duke, at, at, you know, in Raleigh. I don't It'll know. Be. I don't I'll, know I'll do some research. I'll do a little yeah, I don't know the rules on that. It should be a fun game. I think Duke's a little better than what they get credit for. I think people forgot that they beat Clemson in week one because they haven't really had a super tough matchup since then. People have kind of swept that under the rug as, oh, maybe Clemson's either A, not good. See, they lost to Florida State too. Or B, it, not a lucky game, but Duke just kind of survived and got through that game. And or this Duke team's good. This Duke team doesn't shoot yeah. themselves in the foot. They just execute, right? They're going to go out defensively. They're going to make you drive 75 yards to score points. Every single drive. They're not giving up explosive plays. You are going to get five, six first downs to go put up points against them every single drive. And eventually, teams make mistakes. Eventually, teams don't do what they need to do. And then offensively, Duke has so much different stuff going on. They have like five guys named Jordan or Jalen that play running back or wide receiver. They're in motion. They line up everywhere on the field. Oh, and then once you finally get a little stuck on these Jalen Jordan guys running around everywhere... Riley Leonard takes off and runs or Riley Leonard makes a great pass down the field. It's like they're, they're a difficult team to prepare for because you're not going to yeah. hit explosives on them and you're going to have a hard time trying to get a read on what they're doing offensively. They won't shoot themselves in the foot. Like it's, it's a tough team to play going into Raleigh. Who I don't think has had or Durham. I don't think they have had a college, the college game day is there, right? I believe. College game day. Yeah. That's why it's on ABC. It's, it's college yeah, game okay. there. Mm-hmm. I don't believe they had that happen there in a while. So I, it's fun. First game. time ever. Mm. Yeah. I just so happen to have the college game day website okay. in front of me. So that's how I No, no. But yes. Sure. Uh, yeah. Fun. Big game. It is a really big game for uh, for these guys. And Notre Dame coming off a game that they should have absolutely won against Ohio State. Oh, my gosh. Um, should have absolutely won that game. I do it. Matt, Matty, do I say it? Do, do you think I say it? Do you think? Yes. Is this the podcast for me to say this on? Yeah, you, you got to let it go at this point in time. I think Ohio State are frauds. Um, I, I I don't think that's a good football team. I know the, the, Ryan Day, I almost said Jason Day, that's a golfer. Ryan Day's like whole post-game rant was weird to me. Like, what Lou Holtz said wasn't wrong about that team. They barely, they won because the other team was had 10 guys on the field twice in a row on the goal line then he's like we are so good at this no no you're gonna get boat raced by michigan it's not gonna be close michigan is a far superior team than them uh but anything can happen in those games i don't know i i'm not i'm not certainly sold like that didn't sour me on notre dame that game um i think if anything i don't know that, that game was so weird the way it ended i was just it was so unsatisfying many i don't know about you <laughs> Uh, it was just one of those things where it's like, it's got to end that way. Like, that's the way it's got to end. It's like those videos you see on TikTok or uh, on Twitter, like the unsatisfying. It's like the can getting stuck in the vending machine type of deal. It's like, oh, man, 
it's got to end that way. But no, I, I do think that this is a big game, obviously, for Duke. I think Duke is turning into a, a really good football program uh, there. Obviously, that went over Clemson. I was impressed by. I think both of us thought that that game was going to be close. I went back and listened to our picks. We both picked Clemson in week uh, in, in week one because we weren't really sure what to expect from A, Clemson, and B, Duke. And right. Duke came out and kind of asserted some dominance on there. Like they, they beat them by a, by a, it was not in question at the end of it. And to have the fans already on the sidelines, I don't know, you remember that, already on the sidelines, ready to storm the field. They were already yeah. out of the stands on the sidelines, waiting oh, for that man. clock to hit zero. Uh, so funny. But I do think that this game, it's a wildly interesting one. I understand why College Game Day is there, right? Uh, five and a half point favorite for Notre Dame uh, might be a little bit disrespectful to Duke, but Notre Dame's offense, when it's running, when it's humming, has looked very good this this season. So I, I do understand uh, why Notre Dame is the favorite team. I thought it would be a little closer to like three and a half. Yeah, I think it should be too. Uh, Notre Dame's got a couple injuries at wide receiver, and they're not, it's not like they... It's not like they threw the ball well versus Ohio State. And I'm not saying that Duke is Ohio State, but that defense has been playing really well, especially in the secondary. Like uh, Al Blades is a transfer from Miami. He's been great for them, right? They hold the whole secondary. He's been solid and great. So I just, I think Notre Dame's going to have trouble throwing the ball. I don't know if Duke will necessarily get pressure against that Notre Dame offensive line and Sam Hartman. I just think they're going to have struggle, struggle to throw the ball and guys to get open. So they're going to have to rely entirely on the run game. And that's what Duke wants you to do. Duke wants you to try to run the ball, again, 75 yards down the field, picking up five, six, seven first downs to score. Notre Dame's offense kind of plays into what Duke's defense wants you to do. On the flip side, what's Duke's offense going to be able to do? We just saw Ohio State struggle for a long time to score, and they really kind of only scored twice on some big plays. A long completion down to the goal line to Guga to set up the game-winning touchdown and a Travion Henderson long touchdown run. Outside that, Notre Dame's defense didn't really budge. So what can Duke do to to move the ball? That's going to be interesting to watch. I think Javante Jean-Baptiste is a transfer defensive end from Ohio State to Notre Dame. He was excellent versus Ohio State. That's probably the best I've seen him look. Like that was the He looked better there than he ever did at Ohio State, in my opinion. I think everybody kind of saw him you know, play really good in that game. He'll be matched up, hopefully, a lot against Graham Barton, the offensive tackle at Duke. I think Barton probably kicks inside at the NFL level, but he's He's a Peter Skaronsky type player. Not as good, but type player. Just very technically sound, good athlete, good technique, good strength that's playing out at left tackle for Duke, has a lot of experience. He's never going to be mismatched. You know, he's never going to be overwhelmed, but can a guy that's clearly more athletically gifted give him some trouble? I think that could spell a lot of issues for Duke if that's the case. I agree. Let's get into the picks, Maddie. As uh, as I mentioned, Notre Dame favored by five and a half, and Notre Dame has covered the spread in each of its last nine games against opponents from the ACC. I think that this is a game where Notre Dame will show a little bit more of what Notre Dame is, right? Like coming off of a game like the, it's embarrassing to lose the, the way that they did, right? Giving up a touch, a walk off touchdown when you only had ten guys on the field. I think that's tough. This is an opportunity to beat a ranked opponent in their house. They're not going to take them lightly. Obviously, I like oh, five and a half. I'm changing my pick. I'll live on the spot because if it was three and a half, two and a half, maybe I would have taken Notre Dame because I think winning by a field goal is realistic. This Duke team. This Duke team, man, they're they're a chippy bunch, a scrappy bunch. I'm taking Duke. 
I, I even had Notre Dame written down on my sheet, and I and I convinced myself in the midst of that that I wanted to take Duke. Man, I'm one. I'm contemplating going to this game. It's not that far away for me. Quick, easy <laughs> drive. Um, contem- contemplating going to it. Still plenty of tickets available for me. So part of I'm already on Duke's side. I want Duke to win this game. Last week I wanted Notre Dame to beat Ohio State. I then switched my pick to Notre Dame because we got the hook of on the extra field goal there for them. Um, I was going to pick against them last week, but I wanted them to win. This week, I want them to lose. I want Notre Dame to mm-hmm. lose, but I think I'm going to pick them to win. I'm picking them to cover, mostly because you switched your pick live. I want to go against you so we don't have all the same picks. I was going to go with Duke, and then uh, when you switched it, I'll switch it too. I do think it's a time where Notre Dame, they're going to have a chip on their shoulder. Not because they lost right. to Ohio State. I would say this could be a letdown game for Notre Dame, except for the fact that they literally gave the game away by mm-hmm. not putting another player out there. They're going to be ready for you know everything. I think you get kind of a Notre Dame physical domination kind of game here. So those are our uh, our watch schedule for this week. Uh, we got some wild card games too. If you got the second TV, second monitor, throw that sucker up there at uh, the five o'clock hour at five p.m. six p.m. Central Time or six p.m. Eastern Time. Excuse me. Oxford Mississippi is going to be having a banger as number thirteen LSU is going to travel to Ole Miss. An Ole Miss team, Maddie, they got their swagger back. Does Ole Miss have the swagger back? No, they they look terrible versus Alabama. Uh, I mean, like it was bad. Lane did a lot of talking. I love Lane Kiffin. He did a lot of talking. Yes. You're gonna talk that much. You got to provide something, right? Like you look at Colorado, and yeah, the players talked a lot. Dion didn't really ever say anything about them gonna go in there and beating Oregon. He didn't say a word about it. Lane did a lot of smack talk himself to put up ten points on Bama, essentially get shut out after like the first quarter and a couple drives into the second quarter. I don't I don't think this Ole Miss offensive line can block. I think all of their good skill positions are a little banged up right now. You know, they, they're all their top wide receivers are out. They finally are getting back Zachary Franklin, Caden uh Prescorn, Prescorns, he's a tight end. These are transfers in that ha- they had a lot of hopes for. So they're finally getting healthy. I just don't know if they're gonna put it together immediately right now. I guess if you want to make, you know, if Ole Miss wants to have hope, it's Lane Kiffin dialing up shots, this now getting slightly healthier wide receiver group against an LSU secondary that's pretty piss poor. I mean, look at them versus Arkansas last week. Like, yeah. there is a pathway to Ole Miss to win, but I also, like I said, I think Texas is good. I think LSU is pretty good, too. I think LSU is figuring out what they need to do offensively. They obviously didn't, like last year, they had no clue in that game home opener against Florida State that first game of the year. As the year goes on, I expect their offense to get a little bit better and better each week. Malik Neighbors is on a tear right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Ole Miss has their swagger back, but it's at least an interesting matchup for their offense if they're getting healthy. I'm curious too, Matty, because I've kind of, in my in my big dumb brain, I've kind of written off LSU after the Florida State thomping that yep. they took. I was like, oh, well, not as good as I thought they were going to be. Uh, they do beat Mississippi State, which is a team in some flux right now. The Arkansas game, I think Arkansas fans will say, look, hey, maybe Arkansas is better than what we said. There is a close game with LSU. I think that game personally says more about LSU than it does about Arkansas. Uh, That could be some bias for me. But um, I think that this game is a really interesting matchup when you just talk about this is SEC East, baby. This is old old SEC football right here. Lane Kiffin, uh, Ryan Kelly. This is the this is the name. This is these are the brands going at it that you want to see uh, going at it. They got a night game out of the deal too, so I think that's a evening game. I should say 5 p.m. Central Time, but uh, 
Um, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be one of those matchups, especially you talk about Malik Neighbors, a guy who, buddy, if he falls to the Chiefs, Chiefs go up and. That'd be fun to see him with Patrick Mahomes. We have a long conversation to have about wide receivers later this year because there's a lot of wide receivers playing really good ball. There are. That are fighting for wide receiver two, three, four, five, six, seven, maybe eight. And they're half class. Is it, sorry, Matty, to interrupt, but I want to still talk about receivers because Malik Neighbors, you know, deservedly so, does, to be, does need to be talked about. Is this wide receiver class, where would you put it? Because recently I think we've seen a lot of deeper wide receiver classes. Yeah. Where would you rank it in like the last five years? Let's say the last five years in terms of classes. Would you say it's two, three? It's got to be up there, right? So, I mean, I started this way. They have the best wide receiver prospect from the past five, whatever draft class you want to say, going back to Calvin, right? They have the, the single best prospect there in Marvin Harrison Jr., and then you start to fill out the depth. And like, yeah, there's been some really good wide receiver classes of late. Obviously, Justin Jefferson waits his draft class a ton because he wasn't even the first guy off, but he's clearly the best wide receiver in the NFL. But coming out as a prospect, he was a round one guy, but he wasn't Justin Jefferson as we know him now coming out. So you can't double count him, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think the draft class is competing for one. I think it's there. I think it's competing for one. I got to see Keon Coleman get a little bit more consistent. I need to see Malik Neighbors in his next big game play like he has since that Florida State game, right? He wasn't that great in the Florida State game. I think a lot of that was Jaden Daniels' struggles, but he still wasn't great himself. I need to see him better. I need to see Roma Dunes go up against a defense that matters, and Washington doesn't play Utah till I think, late or at all. I don't, so like, I don't, know, I don't know if he's even going to go up against a secondary that's you know excellent, but like there's options. There's guys out there. I think we have enough season that if you get to the end of this year and tell me this wide receiver class is the best that we've had in a half decade, I, I'm not going to fight you on it, I don't think. There's some dudes. like uh, We've had conversations in the KCSN Discord kind of about just like wide receivers, what you would do. Yeah. Uh, trade, trade, like would you trade up potentially to get a wide receiver in this class? I don't know, because there's going to be a lot of them. Maybe you could get a high-quality a guy at uh, one of the Chiefs holders you be picking at 32. Um, but that game, Utah at Washington. Utah goes to Washington, and that is on November 11th. So a little bit later in the year. Um, and that game, we won certainly to watch. But, um, yeah, I, I th- LSU is I think, I think LSU is good, but it's still going to be the defensive side of the ball. Um, again, a, a Game where it's probably going to be a lot of points. Wouldn't you say, Maddie? You think it's going to be a lot of points in this game? So, okay, I'm, I'm going to spoil it all here. Uh, all to go. I'm taking LSU minus the two and a half because I don't think that's enough for LSU. And here's why yeah. I do think it should be a high scoring game, but I watch Ole Miss's offensive line not be able to block anybody. Like, that's at all. True. And, like, you, you watch Alabama. Alabama's a great defensive front, great defensive football team. I get it, but you don't think that LSU sitting there watching Dallas. Turner completely take over that game and shut down everything Ole Miss wanted to do. You don't think Harold Perkins is sitting there watching that? You don't think Makai Wingo, Mason Smith, who's finally kind of getting back and able to play again, you don't think this LSU defensive front that is, I mean, phenomenal in their own right, are sitting there chomping at the bit to get after this Ole Miss offensive line that Tulane dominated? Tulane, good group of five defensive line, but they dominated Ole Miss's O-line. I think LSU can do the same. There could be points. It is like I said versus Kansas versus Texas. It'll be all on Lane Kiffin's back because I don't think Ole Miss can block LSU. So give me LSU Lane to two and a half for, for that particular reason. Yeah, two and a half is an interesting line on this one. Um, home team has covered the spread in nine of the last ten games between LSU and Ole Miss. I'm not sure that really uh, 
as this game is in Oxford. I'm not sure that really applies here, uh, truthfully, because all the all the examples that you laid out, Maddie, have uh, so the, this Ole Miss offense is not the Ole Miss offense that we've been used to seeing in the Lane Kiffin era. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think who is the kid who's the wide receiver that is like really good from Ole Miss. I gotta pull up the rock. I can't think of his name right and now. Right now? Trey uh, Harris. Trey Harris, he, yeah, that's right. He's been hurt like in right, 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 lineup right, right. and stuff. Yes. Yeah. And that's again another wide receiver. But uh I, I think I saw a couple of times they tried to go to him uh in the in that Alabama game and they just didn't look it's just they just look not right. You know, it just looks out of sync. And I think it is, going back to what you were saying about the offensive line, I think that that has a lot to do with it. I think it's throwing a lot of things um, out of timing. But let's get into uh, the second wild card game here. South Carolina traveling to Knoxville, Tennessee, against number one, the Tennessee, uh, or number 21, the Tennessee Volunteers. Did I say one? That's wild. Um, number 21, the Tennessee Volunteers. Tennessee favored by 12 points at home, 6-30, 7-30. Uh, kickoff time on the SEC network. Maddie, first thoughts on this one. What is going on with this line? Is my first thoughts. Like, whoa, yeah. whoa, what yeah. are we doing here? Like, did, did Hendon Hooker come back and I didn't realize it? And Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman. Like, what is going on here? Um, yeah. You unleashed a take earlier about Ohio State. I'm ready to uh, unleash an uh, irrational take here. Spencer Radler, QB3 in this draft class. <laughs> Spencer Rattler, the way he is playing ball, the last three games last year, which includes against Tennessee, against Clemson, against Notre Dame, and then what he has done this year, this looks like the kid back in 2020 that everybody was hyping up as a potential number one overall pick. He seems more mature both on the field. I don't know him off the field, but you don't hear anything about him off the field anymore. We're a long day past was the the QB youth there, whatever the QB thing was that got all of all the tension from Netflix series or whatever, right? We're past that. I think he's grown up, and I think he has a balling out right now. Tennessee's defense, very good at rushing the passer. South Carolina can't block anybody, but guess what? That hasn't bothered Spencer Rattler all year. Georgia didn't bother him. Nobody they've played has bothered him what he's had, you know, what he's been trying to do this year. I think he torched for six touchdowns, like 450 yards. He torched Tennessee's defense last year. Mm-hmm. I understand game script and whatnot, but Mississippi State, North Carolina, Georgia, None of these defenses rattled him. I, I don't think Tennessee's going to either. Like that line is wild to me. And I think I think Spencer Rattler's kind of the reason why. Yeah, it is. I thought you were going to go the other way and say Tennessee's not actually good and the offense of the Tennessee Volunteers run is not uh, sustainable. Uh, so how about you have to be playing quarterback? Like a guy that can't hit the broad side of a barn for half of his throws. I think it's really interesting when you talk about um, Josh Heupel's offense. And I was, I was, researching about uh, moving the hash marks in in college football. People have been talking about moving the hash marks yep. in from the wide hash marks. And that's been kind of, a, a lot of coaches have been wondering that. And the one coach that does it is Josh Heupel because he likes the wide hash marks because if he's on the on one side of the hash marks, he'll throw his wide receivers on the complete other side, like on the, on the opposite sideline. And they're so far away, it's easier to see what coverage that they're in. And it's easier to like kind of make the defense show what they're going to do coverage-wise. Um, and that is just like not a sustainable offense when it comes to like the NFL, right? And and yeah. Maddie, we've had this conversation a lot with like Grady, like trying to analyze people who come wide receivers specifically, and maybe even quarterbacks that come out of Tennessee. And it's like that offense is like tough to to kind of grade because of, and they just throw deep balls all the time. 
They're just throwing. It's just throwing. Yep. If you look at Jalen Hyatt's uh, tape from last year, it's just all of it is deep balls. It's like stuff you're doing on Madden, calling hot routes and just throwing it up, throw it, lobbing it up right there. But to this year's team, I agree with you. It is very interesting that I understand Tennessee does have like a home field advantage, right? Like that's that's neat. That's cool. Twelve points though is kind of wild for a, uh, a South Carolina team that's been scrappy this year. Obviously not ranked, but uh, a team that uh, has has hung in there in some games. Uh, lost a tough one to a North Carolina squad, but has been has has been in there. And like I don't know, and you you even mentioned it. Spencer Rattler been playing very well uh, this year. I I can kind of assume what your pick is going to be uh, based off of uh, what what you've already yeah. said, but. Uh, and I think I'm right there with you. I'm not sold on Tennessee. I think it's more of me not being sold on Tennessee uh, than anything. But it's a combo. Like Tennessee's offense clearly isn't working as well with Milton versus Hendon Hooker. So like you right. don't have a you don't have blind faith that they're going to walk into any game and put up 40, right? And then you combine that with the fact that like I think Spencer Rattler's playing great. Xavier Leggett, a 225 pound, six foot three wide receiver, is also apparently the fastest player in all of college football. He hit like 22 and a half miles an hour last week at that size. Like this dude's like DK Metcalf esque playing at South Carolina with Rattler right now. Like I just whether they win or lose, their offensive line could be an Achilles heel that is exploited by Tennessee, right? And they could very well lose the game. It's just hard for me to see them getting completely blown out by a Tennessee team that has done nothing but you know failed to impress me this year. Absolutely, both of us taking South Carolina minus twelve. That's a lot of points. A lot of points. Uh, to be to be laying right there to a uh, chippy South Carolina team. All right, let's get into our Sickos game of the week. Hats up to the Sickos committee out there on Twitter. Uh, this game is an SEC game. Uh, yeah, you don't you don't typically see SEC games as Sicko games, but this one certainly is. As uh, Texas A&M goes to Arkansas. And Texas A&M dealing with a, an injury to their quarterback. I think he's out for the year now. I said that to you, guys, you earlier in the group chat. Uh, he, Texas A&M, man, has just, <laughs> just had some bad luck since having that number one overall recruiting class. Uh, Texas A&M favored by uh, six points. Um, oh, this, team, this game is on the SEC Network as well. So, hey, look, if you, if you are watching... Uh, as, oh, they're at the same time. South Carolina and Tennessee is at the same time of Arkansas and Texas A&M. Probably a good thing um, as as we look there. But uh, Texas A&M at Arkansas, Maddie. Um, just quick thoughts on this one. You know, like it's gonna be a it's gonna be a weird game. It's Arkansas and it's Texas A&M. I believe this is the game that is played in Jerry World. Um, so like, oh, I let me let I think, me. I, I think it is. I'm not 100 percent sure about that, but I feel like it is. Which is wild, which is crazy. This yeah, game is. is never. This game's never going to be normal, and it's already starting off with a backup quarterback that's left-handed. Arkansas just took LSU to the brink, and I think Arkansas is really bad. Like I don't think their offensive line is very good. I don't think their secondary is terrible. Texas A&M has talent. Evan Stewart, stud, underclassman wide receiver. Okay. Anaya Smith is healthy again. Good athlete. The issue for Texas A&M is never talent. It's just which Texas A&M are you going to get that day? Give me Texas A&M laying the points. I think Arkansas is up for a little letdown after last week. I don't trust that offense or defense to compete. But like, you want to tell me Arkansas wins this game thirty-seven to six because of Arkansas, Texas A&M, and Jerry World? Sure, why not? This game is so weird. Already starting at the back of quarterback Sivich. Um, this Connor Wegman is out for the season. Yeah, shoulder, I believe, um, which is never good. Uh, so Max Johnson, the senior transfer from I believe LSU, yeah, from LSU. Yes, was it LSU? Um, 
The last time he played Arkansas and KJ Jefferson was still there, he got benched for Garrett Nussmeyer. <laughs> Tell us you lost the game. They have a weird... We've had this conversation before off air, Maddie. Their quarterback crew is so weird uh, at, at Texas A&M. Uh, well, but- Texas A&M, LSU, and Ole Miss all have the craziest UB rooms that are... I, I'm pretty sure they all have like LS, one point in time LSU quarter... It, it's, a, it's wild. It is kind of crazy. I'm, I, I'm with you. I'm never... I'm not gonna take Arkansas this game. I told you. I told you. I think it said more. I told you that the LSU game said more about LSU than it did Arkansas. I don't think Arkansas is very good. I also don't think Texas A&M is very good either. So uh, that's. But I also don't think week. Texas A&M is bad. Like that's the thing. Right. I don't right. think Texas A&M is good, but I don't think they're bad. I just think they're Texas A&M. They have their own special place in college football, to where they have as much talent any given game as anyone they're gonna play. The problem is half of them are. And not playing to that level, I I don't know how to explain Texas. It's so I weird. Can't do it. It is. You don't 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 try. Don't try to explain Texas A and M. You just have to let it happen. Um, it is so weird because they. I just think that the talent's going to just they're just going to out talent them. Essentially, is what's going to come down. To. It's going to be a high school football game. Um, where just we say that, talent. but they got blown out by Miami, right? So that's uh, what that's I'm saying. Like, I don't understand. They have so much talent, but then they can get blown out against any semi-competent team they play any given week. That's what makes them so great for college football. Are they just a high school all-star team? Potentially, <laughs> some are saying they're Texas IMG. <laughs> I mean, when you look at it, like they always get good recruits. Yeah, they never do anything. Like they never they have oil money. Not not too shabby. Johnny Manziel changed that changed that. I almost said franchise, but changed that program um, to now have expectations there. Jimbo Fisher, if he loses this game, he's got to be like they can't. They owe him so much money. All right, before we go, I got to look up the buyout. I got to look up the Jimbo Fisher buyout. I think after next year, it's finally maybe doable, but like you still have to pony up, right? So like. Oh my goodness. Is that seven? Am I reading this? 77. Correctly? It's 77 million, I think, if it's like before the end of this year. Next year, okay, and next year it looks like it drops to 67. This thing stays high forever. Oh my God. What? 94. He, he got paid. Okay, sorry. His contract was 10 years, 90, essentially 95 million. He's yeah. fully guaranteed. That's the bio problem. That's guaranteed. That's the issue, right? Like they need, they need something crazy to happen at that school to get out from Jimbo. They need a reason. They, I I don't want this to actually happen, but they need like a scandal for Jimbo Fisher to get out off there, right? Yeah, right. Because it's insane. And like the problem is, again, the talent's so good. Every other year, he's gonna wake up and beat Bama, and then get you complete. And then the next year, he's gonna finish and barely make a bowl game, or not even make a bowl game, but he'll have beat Bama. And like when you can reliably say he can contend or beat Bama, it that is enough to I guess justify not paying seventy million dollars to fire him. Dude, this is insane. Um, look, I haven't really looked at his contract that like that deeply, obviously, because Jim. I don't think about Jimbo Jimbo Fisher all that much, <laughs> admittedly. Um, as one shouldn't think about Jimbo Fisher all as that a big much. Jameis guy. I'm surprised. That's true. <laughs> I'm a big Jameis guy, but I don't. I do think about the one story where he thought that he could just dress out and like Jimbo Fisher would remember that he suspended him for uh, for a game. <laughs> and he's just like, oh, I'll just dress out and start warming up. Jameis has the best stories. I just... <laughs> it's so good. Um, 
No, that's crazy. Uh, looking at his buyout next year in 2024 goes to 67, which goes down from 76 this year. It essentially goes down to a million or like nine million every year, but like that's yeah. it's fully guaranteed. Like it's just and you got to get like you're gonna get like three more years in there before you feel comfortable saying, okay, we can fire him, pay the money, and then also hire another coach. That's good because we want to compete. The whole point to get rid of Jimbo is you want to compete, and he's not competing. You get to pony up another huge contract after paying that. Sure, I get it though because like continuity is so important in like college football right and like having consistency in things and like so having coaching turnover will set your program back like three four years um in missouri's case it happened like 10 i took that program back 10 years but gary pinkle retiring um but at some point man you gotta we have to cut bait you gotta just you gotta just uh gotta vacate the premises but all right maddie that's gonna do it uh, for Barely Bull Eligible. Appreciate everybody hanging out with us. Everybody listen to this after the fact. Getting you ready for all the college football that you need to watch on Saturday before the KC Chiefs play on Sunday Night Football. Uh, weekend full of football. Always have to have a weekend full of football. Maddie, final thoughts? Uh, good thing Texas A&M also has Bobby Petrino on board. That's- oh my gosh, I forgot. <laughs> oh my gosh, that team. That team, dude. How do you oh, feel about I that? Forgot. Uh, he was going to say the UNLV offensive coordinator position, and he did. And then he said, wait, never mind. I'm going to Texas A&M. Oh, no. Is- Hold on. It gets worse. You know, I, I don't know if you know this. Um, DJ Durkin is also the defensive coordinator at Texas A&M. What are they doing, dude? If you don't know who DJ Durkin is, I don't need to explain it. You can just go Google just Google DJ it. Durkin and look at, you know, look through his look through his past in college football coaching. That that's Let's what Texas A&M's got going on. That's my final thoughts. That's too much, too much to handle. We appreciate you guys listening all the way to the end of the podcast. Let us know what your thoughts are on the barely bull eligible show. We appreciate you. We'll be live next Friday at noon, talking Week Six football. College ball is the best time of the year. We are in the thick of it. We are in the absolute thick of it. Make sure to check out our friends at homefieldapparel.com. Use the code KCSN23 for 15% off your first order. For Matt Lane, I'm Tucker Franklin. We'll talk to you guys next.